but hopefully soon we will be able to meet together and uh, celebrate the fact that uh, God has been so faithful to us over these last uh, 73 years. Well, let's go ahead and get into our message for tonight, and uh, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 37 tonight. Genesis chapter 37, so if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to grab it and open it up and uh, read through this um, passage with me. Uh, We're going to read really verses 1 through 11, and then we'll go back through and and make a few comments. It won't be lengthy tonight, but I do want to begin our series as we talk about uh, the Romans 8.28 man, talking about the life of Joseph. And uh, the first message was a couple weeks ago when we went through what Romans 8.28 really means. And uh, if you remember that message, and if you uh, don't, then go back and listen to it um, because it puts the whole this whole series really in context. And, and Joseph, without Romans 8.28 being written before when he was living, uh, he still had that concept in his heart and in his mind as he went through his life. So Genesis chapter 37, we're going to read verses 1 through 11 tonight. Verse 1 says, And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was a son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And Joseph dreamed a dream, verse 5, and he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here, I pray you, this dream which I have dreamed, for behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obeisance to my sheaf. And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And he dreamed yet another dream. And told it his brethren, and said, Behold, I have dreamed a a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and my mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee, to the earth? And his brethren envied him. But his father observed the saying. Uh, The title of the message tonight is, Let No Man Despise Thy Youth. And so tonight we're going to take a look at Joseph in his youth. Now, the Bible doesn't give us a ton of detail about his youth, but it does give us the passage we just read a moment ago. There is a mentality in society that says young people can't do anything valuable. That uh, while pe- while uh, people are young, they're kind of meant to sow their wild oats. They're meant to be immature. They're meant to not really accomplish much with their life while they're young. They need to wait until they get older. Well, that's not a biblical uh, mentality. Uh, that's uh, even a recent mentality that has been adopted by our culture. Um, 
back in the Bible days, a, a young man was very much uh, expected to do much and, and, and great things. Uh, the list of young people throughout history who accomplished great things is, is tremendously long. In the Bible alone, I think of several examples, and uh, without taking a long time to go through each one, uh, Daniel is one that kind of comes to mind. Uh, he was a young man who was taken out of captivity, and he was a he was a good and godly young man. He was taken out of captivity, or taken into captivity, I'm sorry, and uh, he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat. He went on to be uh, one of the princes there, one of the uh, men who had tremendous uh, position and power in, uh, in that region. Um, and so God used Daniel in a great way, even though he was young. I think about uh, the young lad in the, in, the, in the life of Christ there who was instrumental in helping feed 5,000 men and women by sharing his lunch. He was young and yet he was willing to make a contribution and God used a young man to accomplish great and mighty things. I also think of uh, King Uzziah and certainly a lot of the kings of Judah and Israel who became king, became kings when they were very young. Uh, king Uzziah was one that I wanna just highlight. He was 16 years old when he became king. And the Bible says he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and he reigned 50 and two years. So 52 years he was king, but he got his start when he was only 16 years old. And I have a 16 year old son right now and it makes me think that, I don't know how I would feel about uh, the next president of the United States being Seth Johnson, but uh, he just said uh, thumbs up, he's running for president this year. He just put his name in the hat. So no, not really. Um, I think our current uh, president is doing a pretty good job, and uh, so I don't know there's gonna be a ton of competition uh, against him right now. Anyway, so young people who accomplish great and mighty things. And then I also think of Timothy, who was the faithful partner in ministry to the Apostle Paul as the Apostle Paul traveled along. Timothy was his co-labor in the ministry, who was, as Paul said, like-minded in the faith. And uh, he left Timothy in a town called Ephesus to be the pastor of that church. And the book of First and Second Timothy were Paul's letters to this young pastor. And in First Timothy chapter four and verse twelve, he says to Timothy, "Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example to the believers, in word and conversation, in charity, in purity, in faith, and in all these areas, uh, to be uh, an example in." And so even though, you know, and I might be speaking to some children tonight, I, I hope there's some children watching, I hope there's some teenagers watching, and, uh, and some uh, maybe who aren't teenagers anymore, but young people, uh, I'm still a young people, all right? And, and if you're still living, you're a young people, okay? Uh, but let no man despise thy youth. And uh, don't, don't think, oh, well, I'm too young to accomplish anything for God. No, Joseph, uh, we're gonna find here, um, was able to accomplish great and mighty things even while he was young. He was 17 years old when Genesis chapter 37 kind of picks up his story. He was 17 years old, and, uh, and yet he was doing right things during that time. And so tonight I want to uh, make a couple of quick comments and we'll get into some thoughts here. Um, it's interesting as we get ready to jump into the life of Joseph here that uh, the, the writer of, of Genesis, who was Moses, spent uh, two chapters uh, covering 
the story of creation, covering the events of creation, two chapters. Then he spends 13 chapters covering the life of Joseph. Uh, pretty interesting to me that uh, Moses would spend so much time on the life of Joseph, on one life, whereas only two chapters on the details of creation. Pretty interesting. And then another interesting tidbit about uh, the life of Joseph is Joseph is a tremendous picture, a tremendous type of Jesus Christ. Um, many things, many parallels can be made uh, in the life of Joseph to the life of Christ, and yet the life of Christ completely and totally fulfills the different pictures that, that Joseph's, life's point, Joseph's life points to. Um, in fact, uh, I went through briefly the life of Joseph on Wednesday nights um, about six months ago when we're going through the, from the creation of the cross series. And if for those who are, might remember, I passed out a handout with 60 different ways that the life of Joseph points to the life of Jesus. And uh, just amazing how many different parallels there are. And of course, Jesus is the complete and perfect fulfillment of all the things that Joseph put out. And so as we go down even through this message tonight, you will see a couple areas in which Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of the, the prophecy and, and the, the picture that Joseph is for the life of Christ. So um, let's go ahead and jump into this. Um, first of all, I want us to notice very quickly tonight his family. I want us to notice Joseph's family. And uh, we'll just take a quick moment and look at his family. If you go back to Genesis chapter 35 and verse 22, it says, And it came to pass when Israel dwelt in that land that Reuben went and lay with Billah his father's concubine, and Israel heard it. Now the sons of Jacob were twelve. So the sons of Leah were Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, and Simeon, and Levi, and Judah, and Issachar, and Zebulun, and, this, and the sons of Rachel... Joseph and Benjamin, the sons of Bilhah, Rachel's handmaid, Dan and Naphtali, and the sons of Zilpah, Zilpah, Leah's handmaid, Gad and Asher. These are the sons of Jacob, which were born to him in Padan Aram. There we go. Um, and so as we look at his family, I want us to notice, first of all, his dad. His dad was Jacob. And uh, if you remember, it was Jacob and Esau who... Uh, remember the whole uh, selling the birthright, how Esau sold his birthright to Jacob, and Jacob was kind of a mama's boy. He was there in the kitchen uh, cooking, and he had his apron on, and, and Esau comes back from hunting, and he was super hungry and, and, and wanted some soup, and, and so Jacob says, well, why don't you go ahead and sell me your birthright, and then I'll give you some. He's like, yeah, what good is a birthright if I'm going to die of starvation? So yeah, I'll, done, deal. And so he took the deal, and and then you remember how uh, the deception there between um, Rebekah and um, Jacob and how they deceived Isaac to giving Jacob the actual birthright when it came down time to give the birthright out. And so he, uh, they deceived Isaac when he was blind. You remember that whole story? Well, this is Jacob, the deceiver. And uh, now he has some children. In fact, he has 12 boys uh, with uh, four different ladies, and he has all these all these boys. So that's who uh, Jacob was. And Jacob Jacob's name, by the way, 
also was changed to Israel, if you remember that. How the Lord said, your name is no longer going to be Jacob, it's going to be Israel. And now, of course, we have the nation of Israel. Well, that goes all the way back to Jacob. Jake, that's who Jacob was. He became Israel. And then, so that's, that's who his dad was. And then his mom was Rachel. Remember when uh, Jacob wanted to get married, he went and uh, joined himself there and uh, with, with a man who had two daughters, Rachel and Leah. And he was like in love with Rachel. Leah was kind of the homely, uh, not as uh, good looking version of Rachel. And so he, uh, he wanted Rachel and, and uh, he worked for Rachel and uh, ended up, remember uh, it was Laban there that uh, gave him Leah. And uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't too happy about getting Leah. <laughs> he wanted Rachel. And so he had to serve all these years to, to get Rachel. So Rachel was the pretty one. She was the good-looking wife. Um, Leah was the not-so-good-looking wife that he had. <laughs> okay, And so Rachel um, was Joseph's mom. All right? Is this... Is this... That's not nice. <laughs> That's not nice, she says. It's the truth, though. It's biblical. It's biblical. My wife says it's not very kind. Well, that's what jo that's what Jacob thought, and so um, I don't know. We'll get to heaven and find out how how if if Jacob was right or not. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, so that's who uh, Joseph's mom was. Joseph's mom was Rachel, the the preferred wife. Okay, so I guess maybe that's a nicer way to say it, huh? Maybe not even that. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm digging a hole and I'm not going to get out of it. Well, he also had uh, 12 or 11 brothers. So Joseph had, a, he was one of 12 boys. And we have three boys in our home. And that's a lot of boys. That's a lot of testosterone roaming around. And uh, I can just imagine Jacob and um, Rachel trying to deal with all these boys and Rachel and all, or Jacob and all these ladies trying to manage all these boys. And uh, it was probably very difficult. Well, that was his family situation. He was one of, one of 12 boys. His mom was Rachel, and his dad was Israel. His dad was really the father of the, the nation Israel. So that's who his family was. Um, and then uh, let's pick it up here in uh, chapter 37, verse number 1, where it says, And Jacob, Jacob, or Israel, dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. And then these are the generations of Jacob, Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Billa and with the sons of Zilpha, his father's wife. And so that's kind of an example of uh, that's, uh, who, who his family was. But then I want us to see, secondly tonight, his faithfulness. His faithfulness. In his family, Joseph exhibited tremendous faithfulness to do what was right even when it was difficult. In verse number two, we see this here. He was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lad was with all of his brothers. And then here at the end of the verse, it says, And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. So evidently, the brothers were doing something wrong, and uh, Joseph noticed that, and I'm sure he probably spoke up about it. But in any, in any case, he went and told his dad what they were doing. Now, of course, no one likes a tattletale, um, I was uh, I was the older brother in our home, and uh, my brother was like the king of, and I hope he's watching tonight, 
but he was the king of tattletelling. Whenever we would get into a fight, it would be immediately he would go and tell on me. And, uh, and then I would get in trouble, and then I would give him something really to uh, cry about later. No, uh, he, was, he was trying to do what was right. And uh, being a tattletale, we probably shouldn't you know, encourage that. But at the same time, if there's something that needs to be brought to the attention of, of the authority, well, then it needs to take place. And Joseph saw something that the boys were doing, his brothers were doing, that needed uh, dad's attention. And so he was willing to forgo his, you know, forgo uh, being the cool brother and kind of letting it go and letting it slide. He was willing to, to, to say no to that and say, I'm going to be faithful to do what's right in this situation. And uh, I just want to encourage us regarding our faithfulness uh, this evening. Uh, Luke chapter 16, verse 10, Jesus had these, these words to say about faithfulness. He said, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. Now, a little spoiler alert um, regarding the series that we're going through on the life of Joseph Joseph ended up being the second most powerful man in the entire world. And, and one could argue maybe even the most powerful man in the world at the time. Uh, now, how, he, was, he was in charge of feeding the, the entire known world at, at, during a, a pretty terrible uh, global crisis. Uh, how did he get to that point? I mean, he just kind of won the lottery, right? No, you see, he, had, um, he was faithful in the little things and as we will see, no matter where he found himself, he was faithful to do right in every situation he found himself in. And he was faithful in the little things, and then he was given more things, and then he was faithful over that. And before you know it, the Lord promoted him to a place of great prominence, great position, great power, and uh, he had it all. Why? Because he was willing to be faithful in the little things way back here when he was 17 years old, when he was a young person. So I want to encourage all of us in the little things that we find ourselves in right now to be faithful, to do what's right. You see, what is God wanting you to do now? You know, not what God wants you to do someday down the road. I mean, I hope that that happens, but it's only going to happen as if you're willing to do what's right now and you're willing to be faithful over the little things now. So if you are a child, um, God wants you to be faithful to obey your parents right now. Uh, to take care of your room and to do the chores and to do them with excellence. You, you see, you develop that work ethic and that habit now of being faithful in the little things. Then God's going to be able to give you bigger and greater things down the road. Um, those who have a job, how are you, you want that big promotion? You want that you know, next step? Well, you've got to be faithful in the little things right now. You've got to be faithful in your job at the moment. Uh, you're not going to get that next big pay raise. You're not going to get that big, next big promotion without being faithful right now. So be faithful in the least, and, uh, and God will give you much down the road. David uh, was a young man who was faithful in tending the sheep. Uh, a lot of times we think of David as the one, the great king of Israel, who wrote a lot of the Psalms, and certainly all those are true, but how did he get to the, those points? Why did God choose him out of everyone else? Well, he was faithful in the little things. Uh, just a quick example in the life of David. Uh, if you remember when, uh, right before he faced Goliath uh, and uh, defeated Goliath, 
right before that, uh, David was not at battle with his brothers. His brothers went to battle, but, but David was kept home to take care of the sheep. Like he was too young to be in battle, and uh, he just, David didn't want him out there, and it was for the big brothers to do. And so the big brothers are out at battle, and, Dave, and, and Jesse begins to think, I wonder how, how my sons are doing. Hey, uh, hey, David, why don't you go, and uh, I want you to do uh, deliver some Grubhub or Uber Eats or something, and I want you to go and take some food over to your brothers. And, uh, and so he, he does, but here's what 1 Samuel 17, 20 says. It says, And David rose up early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper, took and went as Jesse had commanded him, and he came to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle. So David rose up early in the morning, and in other words, he was willing to obey his dad right away, right? Uh, delayed obedience is, in fact, disobedience. So if, if a boss is telling me to do something, or uh, a parent is telling me to do something, and I'm waiting on it and procrastinating on it, that's really disobedience, and that's not being faithful in that which is least right now. Well, David, though, decided that he was going to obey right away, so he uh, rose up early in the morning, and the Bible says he also left the sheep with a keeper. He didn't just like, ah, forget the sheep. I've got more important things to do. I need to go deliver some food. No, he was like caring about his sheep. He cared about the responsibility that he had, even though it wasn't a big task. I mean, taking care of the sheep was not, not the most glamorous position out there. Uh, yet David took it seriously, and he was faithful in that situation. And uh, so he obeyed right away. He was obedient to the authority of his dad. He made sure the sheep were taken care of by leaving them with someone who would watch after them. And so he was faithful in that situation. And so God began to, and that was just one example from his life on, on being careful and being faithful in something. And, and certainly back to the life of Joseph here, we don't have all the details on what it was that these brothers were doing, but he was faithful to do what was right. It didn't matter what people thought of him. And uh, I like that. Now, again, I'm not for tattletales, but I'm for someone doing right, not worrying about what people think. Um, I want to encourage all of us to do what's right, to be faithful to the Lord, no matter what people may think about that. So we see his faithfulness. And then number three, we see his favor. We see his favor in verse number three. Uh, of Genesis chapter 37, it says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was a son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. So, all right, playing favorites with your children as a parent is not a wise thing to do. Um, I tried, I definitely try not to do that, um, but everybody knows that my favorite kid is Seth. Um, actually, no, it's Luke. Okay, maybe it's Faith. No, really, it's Mark. Okay, well, I actually do have a little... I, I do tease my children uh, quite a bit, and I would put my arm around one of them and say, hey, you're my favorite kid with the others right around. And then I, and then I, would, and then I would say to the other one and put my arm around them and say, actually, you're my favorite kid. And they're all my favorite kid. I have four favorite kids. Uh, Seth, Luke, Faith, and... Uh, What's your name again? Mark and Mark. I love these kids. These are wonderful kids. And uh, I'm thankful for each of them. 
like Chuck in talking about the blessings uh, in his life. I, I'm with you, brother. Uh, these are wonderful blessings in my life, and I love each of them. And so I, I sometimes tease them. Oh, and Abby, too, she's not my favorite. That is one thing is for sure on that. She is not my favorite. The kids were pointing to the dog. No, not favorite at all. Anyway, um, I tease each of, each of them uh, once in a while, and, and we have a good time with that. Um, but when Jacob made it clear to everybody that his favorite was Joseph, he wasn't teasing. <laughs> he was being serious that, that Joseph was his favorite, and so he showed him all kinds of favoritism. And uh, we'll see, you know, in, in verse number three, it says he made him a coat of many colors. Well, he didn't do that for the other 11. He only did that for, uh, for Joseph. In fact, verse number four says, and when his brethren saw that their father loved him more, then all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. He was favored. Uh, one one uh, verse I want to show you are two verses in Genesis 33. If you want to look back over there, Genesis 32, th- 33, verses 1 and 2. The Bible says, And Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau came, and with him 400 men, and he divided the children unto Leah and unto Rachel and unto the two handmaids. Okay, so this is after uh, Esau and Jacob got into a big spat over the birthright situation. Esau went away angry um, and uh, was basically chasing uh, Jacob and and wanted to kill him. Well, he comes back and finds him here in Genesis chapter 33. and, uh, And Jacob sees Esau and 400 men coming and he's like, gulp. Uh, it's all happening. It's just about to go down right now. And uh, he had his children there and his wives. And here's what he does in verse number two. Notice, notice how he shows favoritism to Joseph in this, uh, in this uh, event here. Verse two, he put the handmaids and their children foremost. So like they're coming and he's like, all right, you guys are in the front line. So if he's going to come attack, you're going to get it first. All right. Then he says, and then it says in verse two, Leah and her children after. So Leah and, and his and her boys were, were after the handmaids and their boys. And then it says, and Rachel and Joseph hindermost. So uh, what a, <laughs> that's kind of rude, isn't it? You know, to like, you're my favorite, so I'm going to protect you. You're going to be in the back of the line. So if people are going to get attacked, you're going to be the safest. It's like, you know, here in Oklahoma with all these tornadoes and uh, going in the shelter, you know. Uh, you can be the first one in the shelter, um, and then you over here get to be last in the shelter. And if there's not room, then sorry, stinks to be you. <laughs> that's kind of what That's kind of what uh, Joseph... Uh, or Jacob did with his children. He, he picked the ones that, hey, we're going to be the first in line if there's attack. But, but Joseph, I want you to be protected. I want you to be safe. Well, of course, as a brother, if you're one of the other brothers, you're kind of always going, oh, that Joseph. I'm so annoyed by him because he's always getting dad's attention. He's the favorite. And so we see the favorite, uh, his favor here. But then I want us to see, and lastly here, uh, number four, his future. His future. Uh, back in Genesis chapter 37, we pick it up in verse number five. So his brethren already despised him, already hated him. But then verse five, it says, And Joseph dreamed a dream, 
And he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. I mean, like they needed another reason, but now here he goes and uh, delivers a couple dreams. And uh, both of these dreams are prophetical, and uh, we won't go into major detail here tonight for sake of time, but uh, both of these dreams indicate that one day his brethren and his uh, parents are going to bow down to him and uh, need his help. And for those who know the life of Joseph, you know that that indeed came to pass. Uh, so there was the sheaves, the dream of the sheaves, and there was the dream of the, the stars, the sun and the moon and the stars. And those two dreams came to pass at the end of uh, the book of Genesis. But not only did they come to pass in the book of Genesis, they, they will come to pass in the life of Christ. As I mentioned, Joseph is a type of Christ. And both of those dreams will come to pass in the life of Christ as well. Um, one day, everyone will bow down to Jesus Christ. Everyone will do that. Um, and everyone, and he'll rule and reign, and he will be on the throne. So ultimately, those dreams are fulfilled and completely fulfilled in Christ. But we know uh, that they also come to pass in the life of Joseph as well at the end of the book. And we'll get there eventually. Uh, but of course, these dreams did not sit well with uh, their brothers or his brothers. Um, in uh, And we read it a few minutes ago in verse 8. At the end of that verse, it says, And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And then in verse number 11, after the second dream that he mentioned to them, um, his brethren envied him, but his father deserved the, the saying. So, his brothers kind of had enough and had it up to here with Joseph and him being the favorite son. And now all of a sudden uh, he has these special dreams that only he has had. Now, back in those days, they didn't have the word of God. They didn't have a copy of the Bible. And so God oftentimes used dreams or sometimes used dreams to communicate to his people. Uh, now, today, uh, we have his word, so he doesn't use our dreams like he did back in the Old Testament days. We read about even Jacob having a dream, and uh, we read about others who've had dreams. Well, we don't, we don't have dreams like that anymore. We don't need to because we have the word of God. Now, it would be pretty special if uh, you were Joseph, right, to have these dreams and be like, ah, oh, the Lord spoke to me, and I'm special because... He spoke to me individually. Well, friend, God has spoken to you, and he's spoken to you specially through his word. But we need to be taking time to be in his word. And so that's one of the encouragements I want to share with us tonight, is to be in his word on a daily basis, because God has spoken to you. God has revealed himself to you in his word. So uh, be in his word. Be faithful to be in his word. Um, and it is special to know that, hey, God loved us so much that he wrote us a book. He wrote us a note and gave us an instructions for this life. And so there we go. Uh, let no man despise thy youth. So those of you who are young, uh, don't let anybody despise your youth. God can use you to do great things. And like Joseph, be willing to be faithful in the little things while you're young now. Uh, don't, don't wait until you get older in life to be faithful to spend time with God and his word. Don't wait until, you know, you have your own family. You can start on that right now and you should. And I would encourage each of us to be involved in that.
let no man despise thy youth. Uh, his family, he had kind of a dysfunctional family, didn't he? Uh, and yet Joseph went out and turned out great. So he didn't use his family as an excuse. Uh, he didn't say, well, my family wasn't the typical uh, family and, and it wasn't super healthy and, and we didn't get along in the home. He still went on to do some great things in spite of his dysfunctional family. And he was faithful and he had favor from his, his dad. And uh, that was all part of God's plan though. And uh, God used that as well. And then we see his future uh, displayed and revealed in his dreams. All right, well, those are the encouragements I wanted to share with you tonight from that. And we'll continue our series with that next time. Uh, but uh, let's have a word of prayer and then uh, we'll let you go. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Um, I sure love you. I sure look forward to not preaching to a camera. All right, let's